Hi everyone, welcome to JCM Prepare the Way. My name is Carol and today I just wanted to share a brief word that I believe the Holy Spirit laid upon my heart today. And I titled this podcast, Do Not Marvel If the World Hates You. You know, something important to understand as Christians is that we have boundaries, God's boundaries, and his boundaries are given not to harm us, but to protect us. And boundaries play a huge role in how we live out our Christian life. And it's within these boundaries that oftentimes makes it difficult for people to fully understand us. The thought in the world is that Christians can be very narrow-minded. Well, that's actually true, because Scripture tells us that to truly follow Christ is to walk a very narrow path, so we are not already going to look like the world. But when we do walk that narrow path, We can be perceived in a negative light, maybe unaccepting, unwilling to compromise, even out of touch a bit, especially on social moral issues. Why is that? Well, to understand why that path is narrow to begin with, it might help to get a better grasp on what really happens to a person when they become a follower of Christ. It's important to understand that when one becomes a Christian, it means that they have been what they call born again in Christ Jesus. It means they are now a, quote, new creation in Christ Jesus. That means that our human spirit is regenerated in Christ. That word regenerated literally means new birth, which is why you might hear someone ask, are you born again? They're basically asking you, have you been regenerated? Have you had this new experience, this new birth in Christ? This word regenerate is used by classical writers when referencing spring, for example. It's a word that means the restitution of all things. It's something new. And that's what happens supernaturally to people who have surrendered their life to Christ. It's the restitution of all things for them. And that sounds weird to some people, especially if you're listening to this podcast and you're not Christian. I thought the same thing before I was born again. That verbiage, born again, never made sense to me. I couldn't understand what Christians were meaning when they said things like new creation or being born again or born anew until I personally experienced it. You just can't explain it. But something supernatural really happens to you. You feel it and you're not the same. We are regenerated, born again. A new birth occurs within us spiritually. We receive the spirit of Jesus within us and it changes us. For some, the change is instantaneous. For example, their addictions are immediately gone or health is immediately restored. They are like a torch set on fire for Christ. And for others, dramatic transformations like I just mentioned may be more gradual. But for all who experience being born again, one thing we can all agree on is that we are no longer the same people we used to be. We receive Jesus within us. 
Jesus is the name Yeshua in Hebrew. That means salvation. In the Greek, it's Jesus. Christ in Hebrew is Mashiach, which is anointed one. In the Greek, it's Christos. So to be called a Christian is no small thing. Christian comes from the word Christos, Christ, the anointed one. And Tien come, means come up under. So to be Christian is to be one who comes up under the anointed one. And this is significant. When we do that, when we come up under Christ, we discover that we are now on a lifetime journey of being changed into his image. We begin to think differently, live differently, and respond to situations differently. Old habits or strongholds contrary to God are pulled down and new routines and enjoyments fill that space. Old behaviors and beliefs now seem foreign to us. Why? Because we have given our life to Jesus Christ. We have come up under him. We've surrendered to him, to his leading, to his instruction. That means we are no longer our own. We now live in Christ, the anointed one. We live through Christ and we come up under Christ, making him our ultimate authority, not man. Therefore, every day we consciously surrender our will to his. And through the indwelling presence of his spirit, the Holy Spirit within us, we gradually change into his likeness a little bit at a time. And in that process of change, we are given instruction on how to live as new creatures born again in Christ. And these instructions are given to us in the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, also called the Word of God. And one of the commands we are to live by is the command to come out from among the world, come out from the systems of the world and live different from the world. Immediately then, when we start to do that, we begin to look and feel a little like misfits. We are coming out of a place, out of a mindset in which we were very familiar and comfortable. We begin to wrestle now in this place that used to feel like home. And we wrestle because we learn in the scriptures that we are no longer of this place, being born again in Christ from above, being born spiritually. So we begin to long more for spiritual things, the things of heaven and the ways of God, than we do for earthly things and earthly pleasures. And the Lord knows it will not be easy for us now. Jesus was the holiest man to have ever walked the earth, and he was hated for it, so much so that he was put to death. He offended the Jews, he offended the Gentiles, and he offended the religious. So if there's anyone who can empathize with the journey of a Christian in a world they are no longer made for, it's him. Therefore, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures are essential for the life of a Christ follower. 
Just as the Constitution is the law of the land for many nations, the Bible is the law of the kingdom of God. And just as there are boundaries to be governed within for nations, there are boundaries Christians are also to live within according to the Bible. Our headquarters are now the kingdom of heaven, even though we essentially have dual citizenship, still living physically here on earth, but spiritually positioned in the heavenly places. It's an odd thought, honestly, but true nonetheless, which makes our journey here all the more difficult and which makes our personal opinions a moot point when it comes to living out our Christian life. Regardless of our personal opinions on moral matters, as Christians, we are required to follow the commands of Christ as recorded in Scripture. Heaven will not be governed by our opinions. It will be governed solely by the Word of God, because Jesus himself is the Word. And in heaven, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And it is that same standard, the word, by which we will be judged as believers when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day. So I am not beholden to the judgment of men, but to God only. Did I obey his word? Or do I think his word is outdated for today's world and just... I make up my own rules as I go along. That's the thinking of many people out there, even within the body of Christ. As Christians, just because we do not operate under the law of Moses does not make God or Jesus any less lawful. His law is the law of righteousness, right living, the law that is now being inscribed upon our hearts as we live. Christians have been saved by grace, but we are commanded now to live holy lives. We have been given boundaries so that we live as the new creations we are created to be, being prepared for a holy habitation in eternity, as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are part of a holy family, which means when we walk out our doors every day, we represent the family we are now born into. So the words we speak, the life we live, needs to reflect the kingdom we are part of. Which brings me back to boundaries. Christians, we have boundary lines. And we are commanded not to move those boundary markers for any reason, regardless of the direction culture is taking. Let me give you some examples. We have standards pertaining to how we do business and conduct our affairs. We have commands on how we are to raise our children or live as widows. With our children, we are commanded to teach them the ways of God so that they too become part of his family one day. We are commanded to not be anxious or worry about things. We are commanded not to look at unholy or evil things. We are commanded to love our enemies and pray for them. We are commanded not to look lustfully on another person or be angry with them, as that is likened to murder. There are commands for wives and husbands and marriage and commands on lawful sexual morality and relations. 
That means intercourse that is within God's boundaries of his covenant. There are commands on idols and idolatry, anything that takes away Jesus as your first love. There are standards for church leaders to live by and standards about putting others first or not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever in marriage or unequally yoked with unrighteousness or yoked with anything evil. As scripture says, what has Christ to do with Belial, which is Satan? We are not to gossip, slander, or blaspheme God or sin against the Holy Spirit. There are scriptures on purity, honesty, patience under trials, keeping the faith when things get hard. We are commanded to let go of old baggage, pressing on even if it's difficult, giving thanks in all circumstances, rejoicing in trials. We are commanded to speak God's truth in love. We are commanded not to draw back or shrink in fear of people or witnessing or speaking the truth or anything else, lest his soul would have no pleasure in us. We are to believe in God's promises. We are commanded to give sacrifices of praise, of prayer, of thanksgiving, of service. We are commanded to grow in the knowledge of God, to study and show ourselves approved. We are commanded not to love money or be headstrong or haughty. So yes, we have boundaries. And I am not beholden to man. I do not fear the reproach of man or am I afraid of their insults. Who am I to fear a man that will die? Scripture says. But rather, I have the fear of the Lord. We have instructions to live by, to live holy lives. So no, the world will not understand you. We are new creations, something completely new that has never been created before until Christ. So don't marvel if the world hates you and hates me. If it hated Christ and Christ is in you, and through you and his spirit fills you, don't expect the world to love and accept you if you are living biblically. When God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, no less was required of them. He took a people living under a pagan empire for 400 years and had a lot of undoing to do. Leviticus 18 clearly states that God did not want them to live like nor look like the other nations of the world. He is the one true God. Therefore, he wanted to make them his own special people. If they would obey him and keep his covenant, they would be his special treasure above all people. They would be a kingdom of priests and they would be a holy nation set apart for him. Therefore, they are commanded in Leviticus 19 chapters, verses 1 and 2, be holy for I am holy. He then took them and placed them in a land at the crossroads of the world, Israel, so that the whole world could see the one true God through holy people as they passed through on heavily traded trade routes. Well, no less is true of us. Jesus Christ offers deliverance for all mankind to come out of your own Egypt. It's a free gift and a free choice. Jesus will not force himself on anyone. But if you make the choice and decide to take him up on his offer of salvation and eternal life, and you surrender your life to him and come up under the anointed one, come up under him, well then at that point, 
you are no longer your own. You belong to him. Your body is not your own. Your mind is now the mind of Christ. Your house is not your own. You're merely a steward. Through Christ, in an instant, he will impute his righteousness to you and his holiness. Like the Israelites, you are set apart, expected to live different from the rest of the world. Peter repeats almost verbatim God's promise to the Israelites in 1 Peter 2, that we are appointed to obey the word, that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Like ancient Israel, when the world encounters you, it should encounter him. It's that simple. And yet it's that narrow. Which is why so many Christians are considered narrow-minded. This kind of Christian living, you just might be hated for it. Living in full surrender to Christ and his word is what distinguishes Christians from every other religious group in the world. That is why the name Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, is an offense, a stench to a perishing world. Say God all day long and no one bats an eye. Say Jesus and the wrestling and offense begins. Why? Because he is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. People will trip and stumble over Jesus until the day he returns. And because he knows the cost of following him, he wants all believers to count that cost before committing. To follow Christ is to be crucified to him. Our bodies hang on a cross like his did. We now live to him, for him, through him. And because of this, Christians are called to encourage each other on this difficult but joyful journey. It's also why we are called to regularly fellowship together so we can learn and be sharpened by each other. It's also why we are called to serve together and laugh together and cry together and bear burdens together and share life together because we are now one family and we're going to be misunderstood by the world so we need each other. But we are also expected to hold each other accountable which is where the righteous judgment comes in from a prior podcast. Even when it's hard and the world is calling us off the narrow path to embrace things contrary to God's word, we are called to stay on that path and hold each other to account. Are church finances being used properly? Are we taking a stand for our children? What condition are our marriages in? Together, we are on this journey. We share in the hope, the victory, and the struggle together until we are called home. And someone can't understand this if Jesus is not their Lord. This is also why Christians are not to judge the world before God's appointed time. And until then, good chance we will be misunderstood, even if our intentions are noble. But remember the words of John the Apostle, You are of God, little children and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. 
He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So I'll say again, don't marvel if the world hates you. It's time now, Christians, to examine ourselves. Are we living under Christ, under the Anointed One, under His authority, or are we making up our own rules about what Christianity is to look like? The boundaries are laid out in the Word of God. Regardless of the world, are we living by His Word? Or are we living by the world? 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, which is rebuke, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Scripture is our instruction for righteousness. Proverbs 15.32, he that refuses instruction despises his own soul, but he that hears reproof gets understanding. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. John 14, 23, 24. Friend, the window of this age is closing fast. The world is at rest all around is at unrest all around us. Let us all pray for boldness, for courage, and truth in this hour. Do not forsake gathering together. Do not be afraid to speak truth in love. Walk steadfastly and circumspectly, because the days are evil. And do not marvel if the world hates you. God bless you.